everybody. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Let's Make Some Shit podcast. As always, I am your host, Ray, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, Resonance. And I'm excited to have an episode, just the two of us today. We've had so many lovely guests on. How are you doing, Resonance? I'm doing okay today. I'm doing okay. Guess what today is? What? It's planting day. <laughs> oh, planting day. Oh, yes, I saw. It's exciting. What are you planting? I, so we went to the, so our local high school has a greenhouse and the, like, they have a group of kids that go in there and they plant all this stuff. So I went in there and got a bunch of plants from them. And then of course I have my own seedlings that I'm going to put out, uh, tomatoes and peppers. Um, and I'm going to be putting the cucumbers in the ground. And yesterday I put in onion sets. So just all of that fun spring, summer crop planting that I get to do today. I'm also going to be putting out more sugar beets. So cool. Planting day. (laughs) I've been um, like the, our garden area kind of gotten a little overgrown again with uh, ragweed and passion flower vines. And uh, I mean, it could be overgrown with something. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, and because we haven't getting any rain, I really haven't been like stressing about getting much in the ground. But Dag's been doing a, a bit of planting. He has some like tomatoes and peppers going and stuff. Um, but, um, it, you know, we haven't gotten a lot of rain. So our grass is, you know, growing incredibly slow. And so I've been feeding the goats a lot of hay and stuff. And so I've been, um, every day I've been weeding the garden a little bit and throwing all the weeds in there. And he likes the ragweed and he loves the passion flower vines. So it's kind of been like a, dual purpose chore in the morning <laughs> and it's actually getting pretty cleared out in there so because that's like the biggest thing is like ah man I want to plant some shit but the garden's a mess you know and like that's like a whole day's worth of work to just like weed so it's like okay I'm just gonna do it slowly and I, I like it it's been working out yeah I remember so when I was pregnant with the baby um so this would be like three years ago now we had our outer garden that got Man, there were so many weeds in it. It, it had henbit, dead nettle. It had like these um, tubers with grass coming out of them that grow in the hay field out back. Um, hmm. I don't know what they are called. I've never looked into it. I don't think they have any purpose other than making my life miserable. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but those, uh, some of the like um, ground cover stuff in there. And I spent... Well, it was probably the better part of a week out there when I was pregnant, yep. pulling weeds. Yeah. It, it gets ridiculous trying to clean up the garden for planting, like, especially, well, especially if you don't since, all year and long. And, yeah, exactly. And if you've been, like, amending the soil to make it really good soil, the weeds are like, fuck yeah, I want to grow here, too. Grow there, yeah. you got good soil there. Everything wants to grow there. Yeah. <laughs> But oh man, the chickens this year have been helping with the back garden more than oh, I expected. Yeah. But yeah, like keeping the weeds down, and then they've gone through and tilled everything up for me. So mm-hmm. uh, yesterday, it was the little chickens. I went in yesterday and I made mounds for my cucumbers, um, and I left the door open. And then we went out and came back. And when I came back, the chickens had gone in there and knocked down all of my mounds and like. Yeah. Like made it all flat again. It's like doing their job, but that, that was sounds about right. Like we job. have these little trees, you know, and I'll go around and put compost on them, and the chickens will 
dig it all out of there because they like to dust bathe at the bases, you know. So it's they're like all of our trees are like buried. It looks like in like a little bowl from the chickens like scratching there. <laughs> so I need to make some little more tomato cages or you know the cages out of like chicken fence or you know the two two by four inch wire stuff that we have all kinds of scrap of. I try to make little tree protectors because the fucking rabbits too like i have a few loquat trees and the rabbits will gnaw at the base of the trunk and they've killed a couple before i realized that that's what was going on you know fucking rabbits dang animals yeah <laughs> but yeah so what else have you been up to sorry <laughs> i was okay. very excited about planting day hell yeah <laughs> I, I I thought that maybe maybe because I haven't been keeping very good track of which I thought it seemed too early, but for our other big thing that we're doing soon, but I won't mention it now. Our other big thing, what? Our other big thing that's coming up. Oh yes. <laughs> or do you want to say something? No no no, it's okay. We can leave that. We'll leave that. Okay. It's it's a, this is a that's a teaser for you guys. There's a big thing coming. <laughs> Oh, yeah, so big. <laughs> <laughs> um, so last weekend, was it last weekend? Not not like, I guess it was two the one that just happened. By the, time, by the time you guys hear this, it'll have been two weekends ago. Uh, the family and I went to Illinois, and we got to hang out with Rayo and Aura at um, their Vanu get-together spring thing. I don't know. They ha- had a name, special name for it. Um, but that was so much fun. They had baby lambs, and my babies got to pet the baby lambs. We went exploring. Yeah, we went exploring in the woods behind their house, and they had like so many different plants and stuff there. Um, so you don't think about that until you you're out and about, and then you're like, oh yeah, like different things grow in different places. Yeah. Um, so it was like pulling out my my app trying to figure out what all of these new plants were because I mean it's not Appalachia it's different I don't like I don't even have a basis for identifying some of the plants that they have there but you know a lot yeah. of them are what we had they had like the may apples and you know like other plantain and uh mulling and you know things mm-hmm. like that still growing around yeah. but uh some like there was one called a uh, Dutchman's britches and I'd never Ooh. seen it before, but it was a really pretty flower um, that was growing, like, right behind where we camped. So that was cool. Uh, and then I got to yeah, do a demo. Like a lot of fun. A demo with them. That was fun. And if you guys want to know more about that, you can send me a message on Twitter. Because um, that, that was a demo. Fun. Yeah, very spicy demo. Um, and one of the people there... Shout out to Bueller if you listen to our podcast was helping me troubleshoot stuff, which was awesome because uh, like I didn't have all of my supplies that I normally have here. So I'm like trying to figure stuff out. Um, so it's nice having somebody like as backup, I guess, in that moment. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like, uh, man, I've kind of been a little um, scared or nervous to try it again by myself because I had somebody here doing kind of like the demo of that project with me you know and um he brought a lot over a lot of his equipment and I know from what you said can you substitute shit that I probably have anyway you know but um 
Yeah, I, I need to do it again soon before I totally forget all the steps. I mean, I have them written down, but um, there's another teaser for you guys. <laughs> Message me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we did that. And then that night, that night, this huge storm comes in. Like you can see it on the radar. It's just this thick line of dark red that comes through and it's near like near tornado conditions and there's like a, a tornado warning going off on like the local people's phones or whatever um but we were in our tent <laughs> you know what now that i think about it i think i was at work that day and there were a lot of people that were asking for it had to be that day. They were asking for the weather at the bar because we get a lot of snowbirds here and they're all ready to go back home. Like they've slowly been leaving the whole like month of April and will be trickling it out for another few weeks. But they were all like, oh, what's going on back home? You know, this big storm. Yeah. I guess I don't really put two and two together, you know, that, hey, you're there. <laughs> yeah, it was it was insane. The uh, like by the time that it got to us and we realized that it was bad like we were already in the tent for the night and the winds were whipping the tent around and the girls were having a tough time like getting to sleep they had to go they like wound up going underneath the sleeping bag and i was trying to play a movie for them oh yeah scary they were pretty scared i don't know if they will want to camp again (laughs) oh yeah maybe like uh in an rv or a van but that the, the tent blowing around in the wind pretty scared him pretty good. Or a better <laughs> time of year. I mean, it was still <laughs> cold there, right? I mean... Yeah, it got down to 40 degrees that, that night and the next morning. It was... the So the daytime was great. It was almost 80. But it got it got pretty cold. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it was... I mean, it was an adventure. And it was yeah, fun. Yeah, definitely. It makes him tough. It'll be good for him. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna I mean, give him a choice anyway. Be like, we're going camping, kids. <laughs> yeah, we might do some more camping between now and the next time we go out, just like here in the backyard again. So yeah, to get on like kind of you know, it's not always gonna be like that. That was like a once in a lifetime thing. I've yeah. literally never camped, and it had that happen before. And I've been camping like when I was younger. We were in a. Hold on. When I was younger, we were in a tent uh, for like three months on the lake with my um, with my dad, and it was never like never like that. Like I guess once it rained and I got a little wet from a hole in the top of the tent, but that was as bad as it got. <laughs> yeah, I remember times where it's rained, but like never anything too crazy. But um, I mean, we rode out Irma, Hurricane Irma. Like I don't know, was it five? six seven years ago or whatever now and because we were still tiny house people then and um it ended up turning and going like directly over us and it was like it was bad so and we kind of got like really worried so we took the three dogs and sat out in the truck (laughs) and it's like this big old dodge truck and um it was like uh those I don't know if you've ever been on one of those like rides, kind of like at Disney or any place where you're in like a simulation, like it's just a screen. And but it, the whole thing yeah. that you're sitting on like moves and jiggles, you know, with the turbulence of whatever it is that you're watching. And like mm-hmm. it was like that, like a ride, you know, where it's like, oh my God. <laughs> oh. So, yeah. yeah I that, imagine that kids weird. would definitely be frightened. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, they were they were scared. We lost our canopy. <laughs> yeah. It was in like the woods down in the ravine behind us. Oh gosh. Uh, I know I gotta get another one for farmers markets now, but yeah. That's okay. That's okay. If that's the only thing that happens, that's okay. Right. Yeah, definitely everyone's okay. So we made it home yeah. okay. Yeah, we did. We did. And it and sounds that, like you still had a fun time. Yes, we did. And we made new friends. So awesome. How many people were there? Um, not a lot, like three or oh, okay. four other people. Yeah. Oh, okay. Apparently, it's one of their smaller gatherings. So, okay. It was, it was good Get, getting to know people better. Um, yeah, that, that was fun. I, I haven't really like, made a lot though in the last week after coming home from that I was like Mm -hmm. I spent a lot of time trying to clean stuff up because everything was covered in mud and rain and um and then lord the next morning I threw my back out doing something dumb so I've been like trying to not re-injure that um yeah yeah but I'm I've got yarrow drying and some comfrey drying which is blooming right now by the way and it's beautiful um so that's drying and i'm going to infuse some tallow with that and make a face cream i'm very excited about it yeah because you know yarrow and comfrey are both super good for helping your skin regenerate Mm -hmm. Um, so i'm thinking that it will be a great face cream with like all of those extra minerals from the tallow and then the regeneration like it might be helpful for aging or it anti-aging and then just you know keeping your face moist and to help avoid wrinkles and all that jazz yeah definitely um i think clyde or our guest from last week is said he's gonna send me some um goat tallow to play with and um and i think he's gonna send me some milk kefir grains so that's exciting too and i actually i made a salve um with calendula and comfrey i didn't want to use too much comfrey because i made it with the intention of to go on tattoos like a tattoo healing thing you know so it's more calendula um but that's what i've been using and actually we had a little market here and sold a few of them but yeah calendula also is really good for skin stuff yeah if you guys use comfrey just be careful because if you use it on like a open wound it can cause your skin to heal so fast that it will like create an infection pocket and an abscess Uh, Yes, that's why I didn't use a lot of it. And I don't know. I don't know. This was my thinking on it. And tell me if you think it's wrong. But um, like I said, I I used one part comfrey to three parts calendula. But I don't know. I mean, the tattoo, it's it's an open wound, but it's not like an open wound, you know? Right. You're not you're not likely to get an abscess from a tattoo. I wouldn't think so. Yeah. So. um, Oh, and and I've been. um, Oh, okay. Well, I guess I'll go back. So I got a tattoo gun. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes. and um yes. from that I'm gathering that i went to and i'm so excited it is beautiful <laughs> oh man for her first tattoo it came out so good i'm i was so chuffed and um yeah a lot of other people are like wow that was your first one that's your first one and um i don't know like i i knew somebody would say something but like i posted about it you know on facebook and they're like you should be doing fake skins and stuff first. Um, and I was ready to do that, but 
the guy that kind of was like, all right, we'll pull the tr- trigger because I was inspired. You know, he was like, just just start doing it on skin. Like the fake skins doesn't anywhere near like it's not like doing real skins. So the best way to do it is just do it. And he's like, and you'd be surprised how many people will let you tattoo them for a free tattoo. And he was right. <laughs> <laughs> I know I a number of people like, that were like, okay, I want one. Um, so, and yeah. I'll come back to that in a little bit because that could be a good segue for what we're talking about because I've been putting some other shit on it. Um, oh. but what? Oh, oh, nothing. I was just acknowledging, yeah, that'll ah. be a good segue. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what else have I been? Because it's really it's been a few weeks since, oh no, we recorded with Clyde last week because there was a those couple of weeks that we posted, the ones where we were on Agora. I don't know. I feel like we haven't talked a lot recently. So in the last couple of weeks, um, I got another portrait done. So that's cool. I've been keeping up with those, keeping those going. Um, and I actually uh, did start milking the goats since ooh, we exciting. talked last. Because when we had Clyde on, I was still kind of like anxious about starting. We haven't been getting a lot. Um, but this is our first time having babies and we probably could have started weaning the babies off like way earlier, but, um, that's exciting. And so I found a good goat milk recipe that I'm going to try and make here, hopefully this week. Um, and then I, like I said, I made that tattoo salve where he talked about that. I made a few deodorant batches. I made a pain salve batch. Did a bit of tincture work recently. Um, so that was kind of all getting in preparation for that. Um, little market that I had at the bar that was kind of fun um, oh and actually before that so I made these bracelets so something I made something kind of lame you know but um, it was actually so this is like one of those paint parties you know where people drink wine and paint a picture with a group of friends you know it was yeah. like um, it was beads and booze so a bunch of people that I work with and other people there's maybe like 12 of us ladies got together drinking mimosas and this lady hosted it you know it had this bead bar and so we could all like pick out beads to make four bracelets and I thought for sure I was like oh my god I am so indecisive like this is totally like not for me and I'm not really a big jewelry person either you know but it was a lot more fun than I thought it would be it was like kind of super therapeutic to just sit there and make something like that you know and kind of just like I don't know, make something that I wouldn't normally make. So that was kind of cool. Um, and uh, Dag's been up to some cool stuff this week. He's been um, cleaning some chicken fat or rendering some chicken fat into some good clean fat that I might try to make that schmope with. Um, except I did find out that, I guess, schmaltz, for it to actually be considered schmaltz, like needs to have some kind of like seasoning in it. So... I don't know what you call it without that, just chicken fat or something. I don't know. I'm still going to try it. <laughs> you can call it whatever you want. Call it schmoke. People can kick Yeah, I'm going to. Man. Also, uh, our friend Raborka, who was on with us a while ago talking about chickens, had mm-hmm. a soap that was in the shape of a pig. It was a lard and lye soap. <gasps> yes. Little- oh, my God. That was so cute. If you're going to make chicken fat soap you need it in little chicken molds oh my gosh oh my gosh that's a great idea oh my god i need to i have some paper here i need to write that down find <laughs> chicken mold all right I, like i with making the tallow soap i thought about it i'm like i can get a cow mold too like cow mold chicken mold 
pig molds and those would sell at the farmer's market like hotcakes for sure and but i don't know that one was like exceptionally cute because a lot of molds that i've seen are kind of like lame yeah um, but also i don't know i think a lot of people use molds for like i don't know you know there's the um hot process like the melt and pour soap and i don't know i just don't really like the look or feel of those it's not using like good fats or anything in them you know what i'm talking about yeah, like the ones that uh, where like they just get the soap base. Yeah, and you like just melt it and pour it into molds and kind of more like jelly like looking. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm gonna search for some molds. You can make your own molds, like make up the design out of like clay or something and pour silicone. Oh yeah, something. I'm sure. I'm sure that's a thing. Hmm. So, yeah, so then I've been, like, I don't know, like I said, I've been doing a lot of drawing and practicing with the tattoo gun also, doing, like, lines and stuff. I've been started one on my roommate. He wants all these ridiculous ones. Oh, my gosh. So he wants one of, there's a Trump meme where he's making this, like, angry face and his finger up in the air. Like, he wants me to do that on his stomach. (laughs) And then, like, below it, he wants, like, all the presidents doing, like, stupid shit. And, um... He wants, like, a big graffiti one on her stomach that just says, like, the South. He was like, you can put all these goofy, stupid tattoos on me. And I was like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> but I did start an Anarchy A on his arm, and it's looking pretty cool. That's awesome. But anyway, so um, I've been, I made a salve a while ago with um, the Usnea oil that you sent me. Um, and I mixed it with some St. John's wort to kind of make, like, an anti-inflammatory antibiotic ointment. And, um... I've been putting I was putting that on it to kind of initially and um, I feel like it's been healing super well between those two cells like that's been you know just washing it how you're supposed to you know normally take care of a tattoo and it's been healing great it's uh, not got really scabby you know like some of the top skins kind of like flaking off now from obviously being you know tattooed but I'm kind of pleased with the results um but I thought that would be a good segue since we're going to be talking about herbal antibiotics today. And if you haven't already listened to the episode where Resonance talks um, in good detail about using Usnea as an antibiotic herb, you should definitely go back and listen to that episode. Um, but, you know, so today we're going to be talking a little more generally about some other ones, you know, but also why you should consider using some herbal antibiotics over um, going to the doctor um, and, you know, overuse of antibiotics and, you know, antibiotic resistance strains of bacterial infections, you know, are becoming, I I don't know, it sounded like a way bigger problem than a a lot of people probably realize. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. um, Yeah. Just recently, in the last few months, I've heard of uh, several antibiotic-resistant bacteria that have mm, not necessarily, like, become prevalent, but, like, they've been noted. And it's the fact that, like, we're still getting uh, new strains of bacteria, like, they're, they're going to continue to evolve to resist the medicines that we use to kill them. Like they will. Um, so for us to have like a more full spectrum antibiotic is kind of, it's necessary. And 
I don't like, I love antibiotics for what they're for. They like, there are some times when they're absolutely necessary and I'm not going to like hate on people for using them or for going to the doctor and getting an amoxicillin prescription when your child has an ear infection. Like if you've, if you've tried the natural remedies and they're not working, like there's these reasons, like these medicines were made for a reason. Um, but if you haven't tried any alternative remedies and you're just running to the antibiotic first or you're running to the antibiotic where it might not even be necessary, like, yes. uh, that's why we're getting all of these like resistant strains. Um, and I know lately doctors have been more hesitant to prescribe them. Uh, at least locally, I don't, I can't speak for the whole country or the whole world, but, um, at least locally, they've been more hesitant to prescribe antibiotics, um, because of those concerns. I saw like a, something about maybe some country in Europe that is doing like a campaign to kind of cut back on using antibiotics, kind of like saying like, you don't expect to get antibiotics when you just want them, basically something like that. So maybe right. people are starting to address that, it. Yeah. I I honestly like I don't think that the state should regulate antibiotics and I don't think that doctors should regulate antibiotics. Like I don't think that there should be like a barrier right. to getting any kind of medicine. However, I think that humans need to be more educated on like how to treat our own illnesses before we start reaching for things like that. Um yes. So like making sure that you have a proper diet and exercise and all of those like things that you can do in your own life first before you reach for an external source uh to help out for real um and then like trying the local herbs that are available to you before reaching out for uh you know a, a pharmaceutical a synthetic pharmaceutical drug um but yeah so they- especially one that like um actually has like side effects and people are allergic to it you know or you know unintended consequences like destroying your gut biome you know the microbiomes in your gut you know yeah because like a lot of these antibiotics aren't it's not going to be like, okay, well here antibiotic, you need to go in and treat this sinus infection. And once you're done, then you can come out, but don't touch any of the other good microbes in the gut or, you know, any of that. No, it's going to go in and kill everything. Like that's the purpose. Mm -hmm. That's what it's doing. So when you do that, then you've got like all the good bacteria in your stomach and your digestive system and your intestines, like all of that is going to be affected by the antibiotic, not just the um, infection itself. And you see this a lot, especially with women who will get a yeast infection from taking antibiotics. It it has destroyed the uh, natural flora and fauna inside of their vagina, and then they get a yeast infection, and then they have to take something for the yeast infection that can lead to another bacterial infection. And so they, they get, Oh my gosh. Yes. It would go back and forth. It was like a disgusting cycle. 
Yes. <laughs> and like that happens to a lot of women, especially if they get on like the more um, powerful antibiotics. Like if you're taking something like, uh, you know, a Keflex four times a day or something like that to mm-hmm. uh, treat. I had a phlebitis when I was in my early 20s, which sounds like something you'd get as an old person. Um, but I'd had, I'd had blood drawn or an IV in or something like that. And I got phlebitis and I had to be on Keflex. And like, that's what happened. It, it treated the infection yeah. in my vein, but then I was in and out of urgent care in my doctor's office for months trying to fix the other issues that were caused by the antibiotics. Now, do Your I know? internet says it can take up to six months to um, restore your gut microbiome. It's a yeah. long fucking time. That is. That is a long time. That's a long time to not properly be digesting food. And how often do you think people take antibiotics? People that get sick a lot, you know? I mean, they're probably taking it multiple times a year. It's no wonder, like, people's, like, guts are fucked up, you know? Yeah, they never have a chance to recover. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and, like, once again, I'm going to say I'm not going to rail against, you know, antibiotics entirely. Just, like, we need to be more educated on proper use. And I don't know mm-hmm. that... Um. And a lot of people are aware now about antibiotic resistance, but when I was younger, it wasn't a thing that people talked about, you know, like you went to the Mm -hmm. doctor, you got amoxicillin, you went home and you took it and that was it. Right. Like that's what happened when I was a child. Go get that bubble gum tasting amoxicillin for your infection. (laughs) Take it and then go on about your life. But, uh, you know, it was like, there were probably other things that could have been tried first, like, you know, a, garlic and mulling oil or something in my ear um, for the infection that could have been tried first and might've worked, might've worked. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. And like, that's what I was saying. I don't know that, you know, I could have taken an herb for the phlebitis in my arm. Like I, I might've needed an actual pharmaceutical grade antibiotic for that. Um, but I could have tried something else first, you know, <laughs> But um, so like yeah. one of the, I'll, I'll tell you guys about Asnia first because it's my favorite. Um, it's great for gram positive bacteria. And if you don't know what that is, when they go to determine the type of bacteria you have, they'll use a stain. It's like a magenta color. Um, and if the bacteria that they're culturing has a really thick cell wall, it will retain that color on the inside. So when they stain it, it will look magenta throughout instead of being uh, clear or, you know, some other color on the inside. Um, so that would be a gram-positive bacteria. Uh, stuff Can I like- ask a question about that? Because I did actually, like, kind of look into that as I was doing some prep for the episode. And, yeah. like, I, I get, I got that, but is there, a, like, is one better or worse than the other, you know, like, as far as treating it goes? I don't know that it necessarily just a way to identify it. Yeah, it just helps them to to determine which bacteria they're likely dealing with and know how to treat it. Okay, Uh, because like it's just the if you're going to use an antibiotic, the antibiotic that you would use to treat those with the thicker cell wall would be different from those with the thinner cell wall, unless you're using like one that's good for all of them. and there are some, at least pharmaceutical ones. There are actually some 
natural ones too that are good for treating uh, gram positive and gram negative bacteria. But Usnea itself is a very powerful antibiotic, but it can only be used on gram positive bacteria. It's not going to be able to treat gram negative bacteria. Um, and it's just like a normal antibiotic. So if you make a tincture of it, you've got to, if you make a tincture of it, you've got to um, use that three times a day for seven days, uh, minimum 14 days maximum, because if you don't, you will also wreck your gut health. Um, just like you would with any other antibiotic. It's not going to be able to differentiate between the infection it's fighting and the natural bacteria within your body. Would you say that's the case with some of these other herbs that we're going to be talking about? Like that these also with overuse could um, destroy your gut microbiome or is that something particular to Usnea you think? Um, I, it, I think it depends on how you prepare them, if I'm okay. going to be honest. Uh, so like, you know, we talked about with when we were doing the episode about the cold remedies, you're talking about garlic and onion, and both of those have antimicrobial properties. So they can be used as antibacteria, antibacterial medicines as well. Um, but if you're just ingesting them, then your body's going to be able to uh, break that down, you know? Um, mm -hmm. It's going to be able to use that like as available calories instead of using it as. Uh, I don't know. I mean, like you'd have to eat a whole bunch of garlic and onion in order for it to wreck your gut microbiome. Right. Right. Um, yeah. If you did an extraction, you're going to be getting much more of the medicine. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, so like if you do an extraction of it, I would say limit that to, but if you're just like eating garlic and onion or something like that, then you're probably fine. Unless you like go out and buy a truckload of garlic and sit there and eat it in a setting, then you'd probably wreck your gut for many reasons <laughs> yeah i mean i like garlic as much as the next person but that sounds awful <laughs> you need a truckload of garlic <laughs> maybe in my marinara sauce <laughs> <laughs> so what, what what else do you have on your uh antibiotic list Okay, so um, golden seal and echinacea came up a lot, and um, I read that these are two that are often taken together, um, and uh, let's see, they were good for, um, echinacea is best taken at the first sign of infection, um, and it also can be used as a preventative if you are susceptible to infections often. Um, and But it's good for upper respiratory infections, cold, flu, uh, candida overgrowth, and herpes and strep. Um, if you get and the cycle with the other antibiotics, you can take the yeah. field to help with the yeast infection part of it. <laughs> oh, also, that reminds me, too, that um, if you do, you know, with any of these, or if you're worried about your gut microbiome, it, you could also um, supplement uh, with some probiotics or some fermented foods to help shorten that time um, and help your gut to heal quickly after you take any kind of antibiotic regimen. So, you know, there's other, other natural things that you can do to help restore that also. Um, so, you know, if you use it with one of these 
also natural antibiotics, you know, definitely it's going to be gentler on your gut. Um, and uh, so the golden seal um, prevents MRSA from damaging tissue and it's effective due to the berberine in it. And I'd heard this before, um, but because of that, golden seal is not safe for infants or pregnant mamas or breastfeeding. Um, but that's good for eye, skin, urinary tract, diarrhea, vaginitis, and canker sores. So another one that while you are also treating that bacterial infection, also kind of make sure that, you know, your lady bits stay. <laughs> Take the combination of that and you'll be good. <laughs> um, one that, uh, as I was reading, was kind of seeming to get a little um, pushback, um, and I thought that was kind of interesting, was colloidal silver. Um, but with anything herbal-related on the internet, you know, you I never really know who to trust. I try to find the the, the most hippie-ish websites that I can find, you know, as opposed to like just whatever stupid WebMD or something has to say. Um, but they were kind of giving some warnings. And, you know, we talked about this in our episode with Nicole Donnelly on colloidal silver, but, you know, the difference between the ionic silver and true colloidal silver. And if you're taking the right ones, it sounds like this shouldn't really be an issue or concern, but... Um, uh, and then yes. even if you're using the ionic stuff, like topically, you should be fine if you're not ingesting it. So like it can be used as a topical antibiotic. If you bought ionic silver thinking it was true colloidal silver and you have it laying around, you can still use it as a topical antibiotic, like for your injuries or tattoos or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, colloidal silver is a great and very powerful antibiotic. And if you're taking doses to kill bacteria or like some kind of internal infection it's also one that you have to limit just like you do with usnea like you can't uh -huh. just take it for months and months and expect your well expect your body to be able to process all of that it it just it won't it won't be able to and that's why you see like that dude turning blue or whatever people yeah. talk about yeah wrecking your gut health again colloidal silver will do that as well if you ingest it like regularly um, like there's a, a set, it, I think it's probably 14 days max for colloidal silver as well. Yeah. And with Especially a lot of these things, I, I mean, just, just kind of just being responsible with your medicine anyway, you know, you don't need to unnecessarily take herbal medicine just because, you know. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Don't, don't just wake up and take colloidal silver cause I'm fine. I've, I've got to stay, you know keep my immune system boosted because that's not that's not what it's going to do i mean there are probably immune boosting doses but again that would be something that you do short term not long term and there are ones that are safe to do long term and that's just you know why you should always do your research you know mm -hmm. before starting any new medication whether it be you know prescribed by your doctor or a natural remedy because you know a lot of things could have interactions i think there was um another one oh um oh, i thought there was another one written down and maybe i'll get to it later but it does it's one to kind of be careful about because it could have interactions with other ones but you know just always do your research and you, you know take that responsibility into your own hands <laughs> Right. Um, I have honey written down um, mm -hmm. as a natural antibiotic, and it sounds like Manuka honey is um, specifically 
um, is supposed to be really good for its antibiotic properties and immune boosting properties. Um, and it's uh, it's one that will um, draw out infection and also kind of has like a protective coating, you know, if you use it topically. Um, My, um, so we had a, when I lived in Arizona, I knew a lady who was a wound care nurse and she had so many issues getting insurance to cover things that she started doing that for some of her patients, like putting Manuka honey and then dressing it um, Mm -hmm. for their wounds. And then after she started doing that for a few of them, she started doing that for all of them. Because it worked so much nice. better than alternatives. Um, yeah. And and they were able to, you know, just go to the store and get the items instead of having to bill insurance and wait on them to c- come and arrive, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, Manuka honey for, especially for the topical infections. Yeah. And uh, it says that it is does treat the um, MRSA. Yeah. Too. Um, I have... Oregano and thyme, um, and sounds like I mean you can kind of like you were saying how much you'd have to eat, you know, or well I don't think you actually want to necessarily ingest thyme and oregano essential oil, but you know it sounds like those are very powerful, and if you do use the essential oils, those like one or two drops, I guess, well it's like all you need because they are so powerful. Um, but those are two really great herbs too, actually. So it says that, um, oregano is an antioxidant, antibacterial, antiseptic, antiviral, antifungal, anti-inflammatory, antiparasitic, and pain relieving. Um, I mean, so that's another thing too, like, uh, a lot of these herbs are so versatile, you know, whether, so maybe you don't know if it's a bacterial or a viral infection, you know, I mean, some of these herbs kind of like cover it all, you know? Right. Yeah. That uh, oregano sounds like it would be one to try like anyway. Yeah. Even if, if you don't know, like give it, give it a shot. It's not, it's not, I mean, it, and it smells good. So it does. <laughs> I love oregano and thyme and my cooking. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have olive leaf written down. I thought that was kind of interesting because we have an olive tree here. And I had um, kind of when I first started, I kind of pruned it, you know, and dried some olive leaves. Cause I remember reading that it was really good for, you know, a bunch of stuff. Um, but that also is an antibacterial, antiviral, antifungal, and anti-inflammatory, and um, apparently has a, another one with broad protection um, that helps against candida and staph infections, and uh, it's a preventative and treatment of respiratory infections. That's good. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that about olive leaf. Yeah. I didn't know that it had yeah. any value at all, actually. That's- news news for me actually i think those are all different properties from when the reason that i originally you know harvested it um i don't remember why anymore that was that was a long time ago now <laughs> and the poor tree like i haven't wanted to trim it anymore because it came from dag's mom and it was she was growing it in a pot so it was pretty root bound you know so it's not necessarily growing the best <laughs> But it's good to know it's there. Yes. 
um, a couple other ones that I just have written down. I still have a lot written down about it, but um, Astralagus, and that's an adaptogen. Um, so I've read a little bit about it before, um, but I guess that has immune bucine and antioxidant properties. Um, myrrh, anise, that one was kind of interesting. Um, turmeric. Well, yeah, and clove. I knew anise was good for like antiviral stuff, but I didn't know it. But it was antibiotic too. Well, the old internet said so, but you know, <laughs> I'm wondering sometimes if they get some of these like herbal actions mixed up. You know, I don't know. I don't have the site where I read it from. Yeah. <laughs> it's possible. I mean, it, like you know, it, it, none of these things have been tested as much as the shit that's FDA approved. So, like, do what you want. Figure it out. If there's not enough research on the internet, research it yourself. Like, write down how it made you feel and did it help with your infection or whatever. And then, you know, hey, we could all, like, get all of our notes together and compile our own database and have that information available. That way, you know, we'd know, hey, yes, it looks like this person tried this on that day and it worked. And this person also tried this for that and it worked. So maybe it does work for that. Well, also, that reminded me that I took a screenshot of this for anybody who, like, uh, I like to read books, you know, I just kind of get that real world experience from actually doing things. But I still like to have, like, a book handy. And I came across this book, and it's on Amazon. It's called Herbal Antibiotics, Natural Alternatives for Treating Drug-Resistant Bacteria by Stephen Harrod Bunner, that's B-U-H-N-E-R. And it gave like, um, uh, oh, I didn't screenshot that, but it kind of gave, it, it goes into really good detail. It, g- it gave an example of a couple of the herbs that it talks about, and it tells specifically like which strains of bacteria and things that it is good for. Yeah, and this list, it um, this was like the Amazon, you know, the pictures up top or whatever. It says Stephen lists the following as his top fifteen antibiotic herbs, and I thought this was interesting because this is like seems like a pretty good book um, as far as aligns with the things that we talk about, you know. Um, and this was the only list that I found on the internet that actually did list Usnea. And so I, I would trust this list maybe than some other just random, like, oh, seven antibiotic herbs, you know, from WebMD, you know. <laughs> so he lists acacia, aloe, cryptolepsis, echinacea, eucalyptus, garlic, ginger, golden seal, grapefruit seed extract. And I saw that in a couple lists also. Honey, juniper, licorice, sage, usnea, and wormwood. All right. Yeah. I'm going to have to get that book now. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I'm glad I yeah remember that I screenshot that because I want to order it also. I was growing wormwood for a little bit. Mostly Where are you? Yeah. That's <laughs> what uh, absinthe is made from. I was like, maybe I'll try to make my own absinthe. <laughs> <laughs> Did you? No. Oh, okay. Maybe still one day. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, and one thing that we didn't talk about either, we're uh, talking about kind of like the overuse of antibiotics and, you know, just the being a bigger problem, you know, that a lot of people realize. But uh, a big issue, too, is the antibiotics that, um, you know, like factory farms give to their livestock and chickens Mm -hmm. and 
um, I mean, they kind of just treat them because a lot of times those animals are just always sick due to the nature of the way that they're raised, you know, um, but that goes to the food that we eat, you know, and is playing a big role in the mutation of, you know, bacterial strains and um, just our overuse. And, and I guess, you know, when people don't follow the antibiotic directions to like take the whole course, I guess when people don't follow, you know, those instructions, that kind of helps with the, um, helps the bacteria to become resistant. Like, and yeah, you've got like a colony of bacteria, let's say living in your ear and you take an antibiotic for a few days and it gets the colony down to where you feel fine and you don't uh, notice any symptoms anymore. So you quit taking the antibiotic and then the colony that remains is i mean they're still there and so the next generation of bacteria could very well evolve a resistance to whatever antibiotic you were taking because like yeah i mean you killed off you know majority of their population with that antibiotic so um if they want there still could be some that are like okay this isn't so bad so let me just adapt yeah. to live here anyway <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly so like if you do get an antibiotic from a doctor like take it how they say so so that you make sure that you don't have any bacteria left that can become resistant and it's another reason to know where your food is coming from and the more locally that you get your food i mean even if you can like talk to the person that raised your food or better yet you know raise it yourself but you know, ask the people like, have this has this been treated with antibiotics? And chances are, if it's a small operation, their animals aren't sick and don't require to be treated with antibiotics. You know, we've never had to medicate, you know, any of our animals. And even with the goats, you know, um, the vets said that their parasite count was so low that they didn't require deworming. And we were ready to do it if we thought that's what they needed, you know, but after conversations with people like Clyde and John and Amanda, you know, it's like they don't need that if they don't have worms, you know, or, you know, don't just automatically treat them, you know, and that was just good to hear because uh, that was kind of one thing where like, is this necessary? You know, do these absolutely need it? But a lot of times, you know, in the wild, animals take care of themselves. And if you just have good, um, you know, animal management practices and, you know, issues like that don't really become a problem and it's just not necessary. Sorry. Oh, hey. <laughs> Boston at me. Um, didn't uh, John and Amanda, they mentioned using the black walnut hull? Yeah. Mm-hmm. To, to treat, yeah, that's what I thought, to treat the worms. Yeah, so the next time that I ever need to do that, I was definitely going to try some of those. And like I said, I'd always known that pumpkin seeds was, a, you know, anti-parasitic. A lot of people give those to dogs, grind it up, you know. And like even when I thought the goats had mastitis, um, you know, the internet said to put things like echinacea and ginger um, into their water. So it kind of like makes like a tea and it cleared up after that. I don't know if it that's what helped it, if it just ran its course or what, or maybe it wasn't that bad. But like her udders definitely seemed to go back to normal because like, I don't know, it seemed like she wasn't letting them milk at that time. Like there was something wrong, you know, but then like after like a day or two of putting stuff in their water, it like cleared up. 
Yeah, mastitis hurts, and then, like, even when they're nursing, it still hurts, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, like, stay away, don't touch it. Well, I don't have anything else really regarding antibiotics. Did you? Um, I don't. I mean, you know, when we make that fire cider, a lot of the stuff in there is a yes. good, potent herbal antibiotic. Um, and then, you know, just a reminder to, like Ray said, you do your research. And then if you're taking extracts, concentrates of something that's supposed to be antibiotic, um, make sure that you, like, try to limit that and not do it all the time because antibiotics will hurt your gut health. Even herbal antibiotics can hurt your gut health. Um, so, like, just to be mindful of those things when you're going in trying to treat, you know, some sort of infection at home with, with a herbal medicine, um, like, it's not going to be benign. You're, you still might experience some side effects that you would, that are comparable to what you would experience with, uh, you know, a prescription antibiotic. Um, so just to be aware and make sure that you're taking those precautions to keep your, uh, your gut health safe. And then like, you know, afterwards with your probiotics and doing stuff to make sure that, you know, you can, properly digest your food again um i don't know i, th yeah. I think that's about it <laughs> yeah that's good all right well um did you want to tell people where they can find you yeah if you guys want to look me up if you want to message me about the spicy extraction i am at mother of chaos x a o s on twitter and you can find me on Twitter at E underscore agorist. And you can follow the show at Let's Make Some SHH. Keep making shit. See you next week. Thank you.